Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Two White Guys with Opinions. Break. I'm your host, Bro. And I'm your host, Murph. <laughs> I decided to rename the podcast. I thought we could try breaking new ground. I I don't like how self-referential it is. You know what I mean? I don't like breaking the fourth wall here. The kids you know? love that shit. Rick and Morty has like eight, nine seasons. Yeah, but... Uh... We don't talk about Rick and Morty anymore, do, do we? Uh, instead, <laughs> instead, I prefer our lovingly bad podcast. And yes, we have opinions sometimes, but today we have no opinions. No opinions at all. No opinions whatsoever, especially not opinions on Ghost at Dawn. This is correct. No opinions on Ghost at Dawn. Ghost at Dawn is a, a horror indie game um by give me a second i have to look at this stuff because i received a key for this by blue and red games um it is a retro survival horror thriller it's fixed camera like resident evil um it takes place in a hotel um right after world war ii um it has anime character models though um mm. okay i liked the game i didn't love the game but I would recommend it to anybody that is hungry for Resident Evil clones, especially fixed camera horror. Because it does feel inspired and it does feel because like the enemies in the game are ghosts. You're 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 a detective, like an old, you know You're a ghost detective. No, no, you're just a detective who's like a veteran from war, and you're going to this hotel to look for this missing girl. And um, you've and there's like a little bit of a psychological bend to it because it's a haunted hotel full of trauma and all that, and it's like, oh, you know, you were part of the war. How you know you know you know what I mean? It's like uh -huh. a Silent Hill type thing in that sense. But it looks like Code Vein. Yeah, it looks like Code Vein exactly. So okay. I'm not crazy about that. I'm and uh, also I would say like, for me personally, the the mo I don't mind the models and I don't mind production value being low. But I also think the game, especially near the end, tries to shoot for very serious subject matter. Um, and it was off-putting because of the production value. And it's not just the character models. It's also the voice acting, too. Because they have voice acting for every, like, letter you read. Hmm. Um, I just front-loaded with the bad. So let me talk about the good really quick. I like the level design. I like the area design. Um, the, the item drops and where the items are, are randomly generated. So you're going to have a different experience, um, every main playthrough. And also there's a limited number of lives for, for a playthrough. So, um, and it's, it's deliberately meant to be vague, but you could figure out pretty quickly how many lives you have. Um, so there's a, there is an actual nice bit of tension. Okay. Is it puzzly like a Resident Evil? Yes, I would say there are moments where you, there's like, it's like an adventure game type thing of like, this thing is meant to go here or go here. Most of the time, it's just going to be like, here's door 403. So you got, you know what I mean? Or something mm -hmm. like that. But okay. sometimes you will have to put two and two together. And there's also a lot of more unique areas than just hotel locales. And there's also, because of what I was saying earlier about the psychological stuff, there's a bit of unique jump scares and unique moments that feel fresh. And um, there is a solution or a workaround 
to the limited number of lives. That's not cheating. It's like a story thing. Basically, you play as another character, which I won't spoil. But you play as another character after if you fail. And that is interesting on its own. I wish that the two characters felt more distinct in that sense. Like, in my head, you should be punished. Or, like, you should feel like you're really missing out if your first character dies. And I think the developer wanted to be like, you know, the developer wanted you to beat the game. So that is the answer. But there, there's got to be a way, you know, a happy medium between the two. Mm-hmm. Hello? Okay. I, I'm looking at the Steam page here. And yes. it just like, I, I, I'm i going to say it. The, the art style is really putting me off. Um, yeah. Especially it, this screen cap of this very non plus zombie in a polo shirt <laughs> it it, it you you definitely oh my gosh uh yeah that's yeah that's not okay it does look. it do you get used to it you do you 100 percent get used to it but again as i was saying by the end of the game the subject matter gets a lot more serious and it starts to deal with some heavy themes so then it goes back around mm-hmm. to oh this isn't working but for I would yeah. say I would say eighty percent of the game, you get used to it and it's totally fine and even enjoyable at points. Um, I particularly like the black and white filter. Um, that was nice. They added that early on, and I enjoyed it because it's a good use of shading. The camera angles for the rooms are really good, and in terms of combat, the combat's actually like okay. It's bearable. You only have like you know three or so weapons, but the three or so weapons are very useful. And there are bosses in the game. Um, the bosses aren't particularly like whoa stand out, but they are memorable moments, so it's fun. Okay. Okay. And this was one that uh, the devs gave you a key for? Yes. Um, would I recommend a purchase? I don't know the purchase price. They don't um, have does it, it listed. Say on the... There's a demo available. There is a demo. So anyone who's curious, play the demo, and you'll be able to find out for yourself whether you're interested or not. For me, I was interested, and I would pay like a ballpark of like 15, 15 or 20 for this. That's very respectful. Um, yeah, respectable. It was no, I mean, I got hours in and you want to go back because of the extra replay value, but you know, it is what it is. I would like to see more from this developer, and I would also say that like during my uh key playing, there was a lot of additional support. There was very extensive like responses to uh concerns or like just suggestions that i think is hopeful for post launch um it is scheduled to launch october 6th so it is probably out by the time this is edited okay okay now i also understand that you have given up fighting in the streets you have instead decided you have decided (laughs) to blame the beasts and yes. turn to Guilty Gear Strive, where all your bullshit blazing, but still your heart is blazing. You're, I mean, yeah. Um, for me, I think outside the box as Axel. That's his theme song. Um, I did not, for the record, I did not give up Street Fighter Six. Did you play Aki? I've been playing Have some Aki. Aki. I've been, I've been experimenting with Aki. I think she's a little too complex, going from Lily that's, to Aki. That's that's the problem. Is it's like. The poison's interesting, and she has a bunch of really cool tools, but it's, like, very clearly, like, oh, you need to be, like, technical yes. at the game. You know what I mean? And I'd so rather just yeah. charge in with my clubs. 
Yeah, I'm sure Aki's not good at, like, modern. Like, I am sure she's not a modern character. But if I played um, Guilty Gear Strive, most likely sorry. I would play the Dolphin Girl, I gather, by context. Oh, May? You know, May's a Honda clone? Not literally. They're not, like, clones, but they play like Honda. In the um, lore? May's also really, really top tier. Um, what's that? No, no ignore me. <laughs> okay, so let me talk about Strive. So I have been getting into other fighting games. This has been, secretly, it was originally the year of the RPG. Now it's the year of the fighting game. It is what it is. Um, and I have been playing weeklies with some friends like Will Berger, um, who's been on the cast before. And I've been playing Strive, and I've, this is my first anime game. And this is my first combo heavy game. So I have been struggling in some ways, but flourishing in others. Mm -hmm. I think it is probably one of the better um, anime games I have played. Like, I don't like Dragon Ball Fighter um, Z. I don't like games that are, like, heavy on combos. I like Marvel because it's silly. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, like, it doesn't connect with me. And it's, like, not even, like, Dragon Ball Fighter Z is not even, like, cool combos. It's just, like... It's like mashing like three different kinds of buttons and then it's like, oh, okay, it's done. Whereas here, every character is unique. Every character plays different, has a different game plan, and has different tools that you can play in different ways. So like my character Axel is not a combo heavy character. Instead, he is one of the very few characters in the game that is like, do not be near me at all. I do not want you close to me. So I want you on the opposite side of the screen and I will be playing with normals or some really good special moves. And I can combo sometimes, like I can combo into a time stop super and that's super satisfying and I love it. And it is connecting me in some ways. Um, the game is very offense heavy. So if a person's really reckless and I just see where they're doing, my Axel shuts them down because he actually has good defense in that sense. But like, otherwise I can get mowed fast. This game goes so fast. And overwhelming at points. Um, but there are uh, really cool tools to it. And I think I'm going to stick with it. I am also, as my pocket character, playing Bridget. And I love Bridget. Bridget is great. You've been getting some of that brisket? I have been getting some. Uh, literally brisket. Because if I ever fight a Bridget, uh, Axel burns Bridget. Because he does the he does, has a reversal that's scorching hot. But okay. otherwise, yeah, no, Bridget, I, I like her. They play similarly because uh, Bridget also has long normals. Yeah, you heard you heard it here first, folks. Uh, DD cast says trans rights. I uh, yeah, well, no, one hundred percent trans rights. Uh, honestly, Bridget may go to my main if I'm if I become good at combos and not just like I can do them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Strive is a game that's been kind of sitting on the periphery for me ever since it came out. Because I like Arxis's, uh I like their approach to the presentation and just the wackiness of fighting games. I feel like they're one of the last, like... Like, in the 90s, we had all these wild and wacky fighters, like, bloody roar and shit. And then just yeah. stuff got very homogenized, like Tekken. And I'm not I'm not hating on yeah. Tekken. They got a bear, they got a kangaroo, but they also got like thirty guys that are Bruce Lee, you know? Um yeah. whereas this, like you said, like every character looks so different, it looks like they play so different. Um yeah. it is the the factor of being way more execution focused that is putting me off. Uh how yeah. is it in the single player uh realm? 
there is an actual single player story mode with like cutscenes and all that. Um, there is also nice challenges like uh, missions that teach you the mechanics of the game that are pretty important to do. I would recommend anyone who's like new to play the missions because like explaining the different kinds of bursts is actually kind of a big deal or stuff like that. You know, it, it's all helpful. Um, I I think at one point in time, to me, even with like Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat, I am never a person that's like, oh, the single player is going to save this fighter. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think that's especially the case for Mortal Kombat because I look at it and apparently it plays really well for a Mortal Kombat. I've I've heard a lot of praise for it. But even then, I'm looking at it. I'm like, I kind of don't want to play this. It, it doesn't I'm, look fun. Like it looks. It doesn't fun. look fun. It yeah. looks fun to pull off the combos, but not to be on the receiving end of them. Yeah, and I I don't know. I will pick it up eventually, but not at its current point in time. You know what I mean? You know what my litmus so. test for a fighting game like scale of like bullshit fun is? What uh, is it? If if Sonic Fox really gloms onto it, I'm like, oh, this game isn't for me, because yeah. th there there are exploits at play. <laughs> yeah, he's he's playing the weird and like you can tell like the moment JP like the moment you play JP, you're like, oh, that's a Sonic Fox character. Yeah, this character is not from fucking Street Fighter. This, this is a this is anti fun. <laughs> this <is a> <laughs> yeah, this is not. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh. But yeah, I've been liking Shrive, and I will continue to play it. I have not played Johnny yet, which is the newest character, um, but I have played pre- and post-season, uh, which is was a huge patch, which dramatically rebalanced characters and added new mechanics. And I think the patch was for the better. Mm. Right, all right. Uh, I, I've been playing a game that came out uh, a, little, a little at the end of summer. Uh, yeah. I've been playing On Guard. Oh, I've seen you play this. Yes. So, uh, I think this got some press because uh, Iron Pineapple covered it in his video on Souls-likes. I wouldn't classify this as a Souls-like. I think Iron pa Pineapple now just uses that headline mm. to get clicks and uses it as an avenue to, like, you know, yeah. preach indie games. Um, On Guard is better Sorry. Dark Messiah of Might and Magic. There we go. Now that's exciting. Um, so you, because you have a kick button, you have a, you have a, yes. you have a stab, you have a dodge, and you have a parry. And yes. what it is, I'm bringing this terminology back, is it is a groove getter. Oh my gosh! You keep groove getter isn't gonna happen. No, you get, isn't gonna happen. You get there. into a groove because it's <laughs> very, it's. You can parry blue attacks, you have to dodge red attacks. And if you parry or dodge yeah. properly, you surprise your enemy, leaving them open to your attacks or uh, some some shenanigans, some environmental interaction you can do with your kick button. So if you're near a wall, you can kick them and they'll splat against the wall and that will break their guard. And now you can just go ham on them. Or you can... Like, there's so much interactive, interactive stuff. You can hop up on a table and they'll hop up too and then you can kick them off the table or you can pick up grenades and throw them into fire pits and they'll go off and do some AOE stuff and it's really just sort of just building together your fight choreography and yeah. it just is fun and it's so it's so 
blissfully enjoyable because once you're in the zone, once you've gotten in the groove, uh, you kind of feel unstoppable, and it's just you're like you're you're making shit up on the fly. It's like okay, I'm overwhelmed. I've been backed into a corner. I'm gonna run over here, pick up a t- a uh, a lantern, and throw it on a cannon, and that will blast the guys that are chasing me away. And now I can focus down on one of them. How uh, long is the game? The story is. The story mode, I would say, is kind of the game's weakness. This is a short game. This has four chapters, and they're all episodic. There's not really an overarching, like, narrative. It, it, it's done as a pastiche of, like, pulp adventure stories, like like Zorro. You play this swashbuckling uh, noble heiress uh, with her sort of less swashbuckling and clumsy brother and her, her gay pirate queen lover, and you're trying to stop the villainous Count Duke. Um... And the four chapters are very, they're very lengthy. I would say each one's about an hour, maybe 30 minutes, depending on your level of uh, skill. And they eat, they all have challenges and sort of like time trials you can do. Um, yeah. And a variety of very fun and different uh, arenas to fight in. I would say for this game, like no one mechanic really kind of overstays its welcome. They all build on each other very nicely. And then once you've beaten the story mode, you can go into the arena mode, which is kind of where the game's really at. And that sort of uh, does you you pick like a rank and then you pick and then you go through four different arenas, which are all taken from the story mode. And it's sort of a roguelike where between rounds you get a a debuff and then you can pick a buff. Like anytime you throw a jug at an enemy, you gain back some health. Or whenever you kick a box, it explodes into a puddle that enemies will slip on. That reminds me of something that I have not included on anything, but I played the TMNT Shellshock DLC, and it has something similar to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think at its price, I think it's uh, selling right now for $20. I think Ooh. if what I'm saying sounds fun, and you're the kind of person that loves to just, like, perfect... Uh, combat encounters and stuff. Like, if you're the kind of person that chases, like, S-ranks for games, this game's pretty enjoyable, and I think you'll get your money's worth. Otherwise, like I said, that story mode is pretty darn short. Like, I was shocked when it was over, Um, especially because the last area just kind of recycles all the bosses from the previous one, just sort of in a boss rush, and that that just wasn't Mm -hmm. fun. Um... I think it's a good sale pickup. Yeah, um, I would say, like, do you think... Well, do you think it will get additional support? It's hard for me to say this is the first game from the uh, developer-slash-publisher Fireplace Games. Um, sure. But I know it's gotten a lot of good reviews and a lot of good press, so I I, I don't know what the analytics look like for it. Um mm-hmm. It's hard to say whether they'll ever do, like, a DLC or just move on. It started as a student project. Like, it was an itch.io mm. game that was oh, then that's nice. made into a full uh, game. Uh, and, and, you know, the thing is, 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 like, when we played Dark Messiah, we said it at the time, which was this game would be better if it ended after level four. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Literally, it was a good. It was a good demo disc, and this does have sort of demo disc vibes with how short it is. 
But unlike Dark Messiah, where we said you were just kind of sitting next to the interactables so you could get through the combat encounters quicker, here, yeah. the interactables is, like, the whole thing. It's like you're constantly find, figuring out, like, piecing together where you should go across this arena to make the fight easier. Because just doing, like, one-on-one sword play against the a group of enemies, that will always end in defeat for you. You've got to break them yeah. up. You've got to stun the captains and, and weed out the weak and useless. I think it's a fun time. Speaking of at, weeding out the weak and useless... I have played Armor Core 6. Okay, you got your claw grip? Have you mastered the claw? Honestly, while I I was having premarital sex, you were mastering the claw. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I literally just mash every button at the same time, to be honest. And it works. Honestly, what I like about Armor Core 6 is it feels very unapologetic. It does feel unapologetically a mech game. This is no bones about it, an Armored Core game, which is exciting for a lot of people. Brendan loves it. I know Will loves it. I know a bunch of people that are like, yo, Armored Core, this is great. Um, And there are some modern touches, but the modern touches feel in line. And um, it has really good production value. This is the best looking FromSoft game, I'd say bar none, especially in terms of detail and graphical fidelity. And um, you play as a giant mech. You play as a stolen Raven armored core unit. And you can edit, you can alter it a bunch. Half the game is taking place in a shop where you're trying to adjust your for a perfect build. Or a perfect build for the specific mission or encounter. And that's really exciting. Mm-hmm. So it definitely is, like, when you say it's like an armored core game. It's like very clear... This is from wanting to do, like, a sequel to a series they have not worked on in a while because they've been doing Dark Souls stuff. It does not feel like yes. we need to we need to make a Dark Souls mecha game because that's all our fan nope. base know and respect us for. It is not a Souls-like. It is not part of the genre. You're not going to be adding core to your Soulsborne hero genre label anytime soon. And, um... I, I think it's really, really cool. Um, it, it also has different methods of play in terms of your build. I know most people got mileage from like short range, short shotgun, like dual wielding shotguns and just fucking going in. Um, I have had a lot of success with a shield and then like plasma with like a right, uh, like a big rifle. The, uh, the, you know, what the fuck the line rifles or whatever. Mm-hmm. Those are really good. Um, you get, or the swords, like the laser swords are great too. This game is heavy on stun. Um, the one thing that I would say is a modern touch that is honestly mostly influenced by Sekiro is there's a stagger bar. And you're really trying to aim for a stagger for okay. most enemies. I mean, like there's a lot of enemies where you're just trying to like, they're like usually one hit kills. So when you use missiles, the missiles will sweep them or something. But like a lot of the bigger enemies or other enemy armored cores, you're trying to st- stagger them so that way you can whammy into them really fast with damage. Because a lot of times everyone's moving around. They're flying or flying very fast. So you're you're circle strafing and you're trying to like outmaneuver them. So the stagger keeps them still for, you know, two seconds. It's worth it every time. So that way is really interesting. And again, the game is just really, really fun. 
Um, its story is also good. It's very straightforward. Like you're not going to miss out. It's not like a Souls game in that way either. Uh, you know what's going on when it happens. So that's cool. I've seen, I have actually, I can attest to people really popping off in a fandom for this game in a way I haven't really seen for people do for other FromSoft games outside of maybe like Elden Ring with like Blade. Uh, Sure. But my understanding is you never actually see any of the other humans in Armored Core, right? Nope, nope. They're on comms. They're usually like on your radio or whatever. Or they're on your radio and they're the enemy right in front of you and they're in a giant mech. Those are really the two areas where you would hear them interact. But the, then again, it speaks a lot to the voice acting because these, you know, they're the handlers or whatever where they're like, oh, you know, I got a new mission for you. They have a lot of personality to them. And you make story, you can also make story choices based on them. So you get really attached to them or specific ally units. Like there is this one ally unit named Rusty. Oh, he's a fucking baller. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you get really attached to him because he's cool. It's like if Artorius was your bro for half the game. You know what I mean? Okay, okay, I see, I see. That is neat. But you haven't mastered the claw grip? I have not. I have not done the claw grip. I mostly just mash on the uh, shoulder button. Oh, here's one thing I want to know. I I, I see our our friend uh, Theomini, friend of the show, was on the Ico episode, talking about, like, New Game Plus and Plus Plus and how that changes things up. Is this, like, a near scenario or is yes. it just like the game gets harder on New Game Plus? Short short answer is yes, it is a near automata scenario where there is I I have not played them. I just know about that I just know about it mm. where there are different there are additional missions, there are additional mission branches based on the things and you have to like complete a New Game Plus ending to get the possible New Game Plus Plus ending. And also there are unique dialogues from some characters as if they know what happened in a previous cycle. So is that a theme of Armored Core? Or is this the the Dark Souls 3 cycles upon cycles? I mean, FromSoft is very iterative in those terms. Um, I would say a lot of the themes of the game... And you would like this a lot because it is heavy into capitalism. It is like capitalism mining an entire planet. Okay, is that very... is that one of my character traits? Have I given off that vibe? <laughs> you're you're anti-capitalist. Oh, okay, I think yeah, that is sure. To say, but but like it is a heavy critique on capitalism, and you play as a as a mercenary who really just takes jobs whatever pays. So oftentimes it's corporations. They're Mm. literally like one of the first few missions is literally you intercepting a test pilot. Who's this 20 something intern. And he's just testing a new robot. And they're like, we want you to kill the robot. And so like the guy is like, it's a very easy fight. And the entire point of the mission is, is you're, you're, you're just killing a kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. So like so there's a lot of like story elements that feel really compelling because it's trying to tell you about uh, the fate of greed and all this stuff. So, okay, I, I, yeah, it's it's definitely on the back burner, like uh, like Baldur's Gate three. That's a a game for a period of time when fewer big releases are coming out. 
That's 2024, although apparently January 2024 is also going to be bangers. Yeah. So the season's not over yet. Yeah, and also, I still have loads of Yakuza games to play. Murph, Murph, real quick, before you do the Yakuza minute, how do you feel about the 10 Yakuza games coming out in the next year? I just, like, <laughs> my my policy is I finish the franchise playthrough on the most recently released game. That is why when I played through all the Assassin's Creeds, I was rushing like literally hours of like time to finish Valhalla before the second expansion came out that's so funny are you gonna be able to literally can you beat the pace of how many of these Yakuza games release I don't think that's I can I because because <laughs> like a dragon Gaiden comes out uh this month and then <laughs> yeah uh, Infinite Wealth comes out in January. <laughs> oh my god. It's gonna be brutal. Anyways, you can talk Yakuza 6. So Yakuza 6, the song of life. The first of these to have a subtitle. Um, this was, at the time, the supposed to be like the end of Kiryu's story. But, it, yeah. but then they announced two new games that are like actually let's let's do a little more with kiryu mm-hmm. um this game was riding so high for me early on this was like in the s tier this was like up with yakuza 4 and 0 um early on because it was refusing to be a standard yakuza plot um mm-hmm. how it how it opens like the initial the lead in is so compelling for a story setup is that at the end of Yakuza 5, uh, Kiryu agrees to go to prison for four years for all the various crimes uh, from the last five games. Uh, Just to atone for that, wipe the slate clean. So he leaves the orphanage to Haruka, his adopted daughter. And she ended that game by being like I by announcing on live TV that her father is a notorious yakuza but she loves him anyway and that like killed her idol career. Yeah. Um and if you recall me talking about Yakuza 5, I was like this this plot with Haruka being an idol and Kiryu wanting to stay out of her life is so stupid. They already did this. Um here the start of Yakuza 6, it's like no, there are consequences because all the kids at the orphanage like they're grown up. They're trying to get into colleges and colleges are rejecting them because they're like, oh, that's the orphanage run by admitted notorious Yakuza member Kazuma Kiryu. And they don't want to be associated with Haruka. So there's consequences to the past few games. Yes. And Haruka like has to do the the emotional like confrontation of like, oh, this is why Ka- this is why Kiryu stayed out of my life. This exact reason. And now I have yeah. to stay out of their lives and go away. And so she she flees Okinawa and just vanishes. Four years later, Kiryu gets out of prison. And he goes looking for Haruka. Uh, finds her in Kamurocho, where she's been hit by a car. And is in critical condition. And also has a one-year-old baby. That she- That's a lot to take in. And Kiryu's like, okay, Haruka's in a coma right now. 
I gotta find out what she's been doing. I gotta find out who this father is and, like, let him know. And that's that's the story early on. And it's, like, it brings in all these past antagonist groups. Um, for Kiryu, uh, in the first couple chapters, they're just, like, popping up and trying to be, like, hey, Kiryu, don't you want to know what schemes we're up to? And he's, like, no. Absolutely not. There's a great scene early on where he stops by the Tojo clan headquarters and he goes in and he's like, I just want you guys to know I'm back in town. I don't care about whatever bullshit like a plot real estate schemes you guys are up to. Right. If you guys interfere with my quest to uh, reun like to take care of my daughter, I'm going to burn this shit to the ground. <laughs> And he just walks out. Damn. The, but does it pay off? It sounds like there's a huge but. There is. Because down the line, Kiryu does get involved in those A-plot shenanigans and nonsense. And it's so deflating for the tone and vibe it was doing. It was a really small personal story. And I was like, this is great. This is a great like, way to send off Kiryu, because this is what the story has actually been about, his connection with Haruka. Um, the issue is is that, like, this is the most coincidence-laden Yakuza plot outside of maybe Zero, where it's like, not only is this character blank, but they're also the son of blank, and also blank? And it's like, really? That guy? <laughs> um, there is... You, you finish off what you think is the final boss, but actually there's still two chapters left, and the penultimate chapter just turns into national treasure out of nowhere, where you're going around to local landmarks and solving riddles and clues to find Japan's great secret. <laughs> That's funny, though. It Takeshi Mike is involved. Uh, No, no, not Takeshi Mike. Beat Takeshi is involved. Yeah. And when he shows up, and he's just like this fumbling old man, and I was like, that's that's Pete Takeshi. There's no way he's just the fumbling old man character. Um, there's... I'm not going to spoil it. There's like a twist right at the end. Like the reveal of what Japan's great secret is that I had to literally go down a wiki rabbit hole to understand the significance of because it's so ingrained with like Japanese history that we stupid Americans just don't know. Like, it doesn't communicate to America. Like it's Western like the audience. equivalent of if we, like, if you were playing, like, a GTA game and then, like, the penultimate. It'd be like if John Henry was secretly, you know, something entirely. If it was like, I mean? oh my god, the Spanish didn't blow up the, uh, the main, the USS Maine. The War of oh, 1812 yeah, is you. based on a lie. <laughs> yeah. It's like that equivalent. I got you, yeah. Um, okay, so, okay. And then the the final boss, the actual final chapter boss, is some guy who was in one scene earlier. And it just, it left a really bad taste in my mouth. Like, generally, the last two chapters took this from, like, an S, A tier down to, like, a B, borderline C. Wow. Devastating. Yeah. But, but does it, does it, by the end of it, does it feel like a good send-off for Kiryu? Yes, it does feel like a good conclusion. Not necessarily like we're shut, shutting the book, but it ends on this good, ambiguous moment. Um, but don't they all? Like, don't most of them? No, I mean, 
yeah, because some end with him getting, like, stabbed. Three of them end with him getting stabbed. <laughs> and then cutting to credits. Um, Damn. But this feels like, no, no, they could have just left it here. But evidently, the presence of Like a Dragon Gaiden and Infinite Wealth, where he's got cancer from all the cigarette smoking, uh, <laughs> prove that, no, they have a they have a much more emotional climax in mind. Well, how did you feel about the other Yakuza game? Oh, that's right, gamers. Socket? The Yakuza Minute is double feature length this time because <laughs> yeah. my 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 loving co-host, who would never do anything to hurt me, notified me that the <laughs> PSP Japanese-exclusive game Yakuza Black Panther got an English fan translation. I mean, you're welcome. I just... I just want to give you games you love. Yeah, and you know what? Murph. I'm I'm actually glad I played Black Panther. <laughs> it was good. So this was not made by the core Yakuza team or the team that was at the time, because this released back in 2010. It actually came out right after Yakuza Three. And this is a PSP game. It's a PSP game, and it feels it. Uh, this was made by the devs who did Def Jam Fight for New York. You're selling me. You're selling me hard. And it does a lot of things that you would see later in the Yakuza f uh, series, particularly Zero. Um, and also some things that I'm like, huh, I kind of wish this was the core Yakuza gameplay loop. Uh, particularly the combat. So because it's made by fighting game devs, the combat's much more like a fighting game. It's it's made for one-on-one -on -one encounters. You have, like, no HUD whatsoever. All your, like, knowledge of how... Your stamina and your character's health is communicated by how your character's, like, standing. And the yeah. same goes for your opponent. All your opponents operate on the exact same rules that your character does. And what you have is you have uh, kicks and you have punches with directional inputs. And you have limb damaging. So if you uh, hold up and do a punch, you'll do uh, an attack on their head. And various limb damages affect things like stamina, attack damage, their ability to sprint and dodge, etc., etc. It also has a very, um, I'm not going to say complex, but it's very parry and counter-focused. Like, you literally have, like, a parry stance, and you're trying to get, like, perfect parries, particularly for uh, ex exceptionally damaging attacks. Um... And you also have 15 different fighting styles to swap between. And all of them feel different and have different strengths and weaknesses. Like, there's a boxing fighting style, which is, like, you do 50% more damage with punches, but your throws and your kicks are garbage. But you also have, like, higher attack speed and stuff. And you can level those all up to increase those bonuses and unlock new moves for them. Um, wow. so, so that sounds, like, really, like, what... I would. That sounds like I would want to play that. Yeah, it's it's a really nifty fighting system. Um, I was kind of thrown off at the beginning because we're going all the way back to like Yakuza three, uh, not even Yakuza three because it uses the fixed camera angles from the uh -oh. PS two games. Uh -oh. um, and it has like the random uh encounters in the streets are back, and like each one involves like a lead-in movie, like, panning across the arena you're fighting in while the enemy guy introduces themselves. And I was like, ugh. Yikes. But luckily, you can actually skip past uh, some of those fights with uh, perks that make it so enemies on the street are just outright afraid of you. 
Um, Good. Um, what is the story to this game? So, uh, hold on. Let me look up his name. Because I have completely forgotten it, deer in the headlights. So you... His name is Black Panther. So, just sidebar real quick. <laughs> I don't know why the fans call this Black Panther. Um, because a panther doesn't factor into the plot at all. The main character is called the Mad Dragon. <laughs> uh, so you yeah. play a a high school punk named Tatsuya uh, Yukio. And he is a high school dropout who just wants to be... He just wants to be tough and strong, and he thinks that will get him by in life uh, if people are afraid to mess with him. Uh, and, That's dope. And he runs afoul of one of the Tojo clan families who uh, basically keep him under house arrest, under threat of murder, and say, you're going to put... You're going to put your fighting skills to use fighting in our underground uh, arena. And if you get 10 wins in a row, we'll let you go free. And that's the setup. And it's very it's very no more heroes in a way where each chapter is basically you going out to grind and learn some like tangential like story stuff. It's a lot of like interacting with your supporting cast rather than uncovering some grand scheme. Um, while also, like, you meet the guy you're going to fight against and and sort of set them up, and then it all culminates in that one-on-one fight. And those are the best, like, fights, I'm going to say, maybe in Yakuza as a whole, because, because that fighting game system is so complex and because you know the enemy's operating on the same rules as you. So it's a lot of, yeah. like, yeah, like, come on, come on, you bitch, come on, let's finish this off. You know, there you go. Where, where you're both like That's out of stamina, you're both one hit away from death. And it's just like, come on, just let me just let me have it. Just let me win. Um, I do think the plot starts to drag uh, in the back half of the game because it becomes very focused on grinding, not necessarily for like levels, but for cash. So because you're an 18 year old high school dropout, you're not really flush with money. So you have to do. This also sounds like no more heroes. I yeah, mean, you literally no have more to do heroes. PTSD. You have to do part time jobs to grind for cash because some story events are like, oh, you have to go into this uh, cabaret, but the entrance fee is two hundred thousand yen, and it's like, well, I only have twenty thousand yen. So you go scoop gelato for two hours, <laughs> real life hours, in order to make up the money. Um, and that's where the grind really hurts, particularly because money is also your XP. You level up your stats by going to a dojo and paying them to, like, I want to up my punch damage, I want to up my kick damage, etc. like that, like, like No More Heroes. Yeah. Um, um, where did you end up ranking this? I think it's a solid B tier. I think with the English patch, if you're willing to put up with, like, the PSP jank and the... Uh, sort of the random encounters and all that, I think it's actually worthwhile, at the very least for the first four to five chapters. Um, past that, it does start to introduce a a plot that is more classic Yakuza, where you're like, oh, there's a grand conspiracy to ten years ago there was an arson. Um, and I think the final fight is, like, unlike those previous ones, that one is actually bullshit, because it's just... It's a random guy gets introduced, and it's like, oh, he's the secret master of all known forms of martial arts. There's no way you're going to beat him. And this guy has, like, no dialogue. 
but you fight him on a rooftop. You have a shirtless man fight. Um, and it, it's just, just not a fun encounter. Uh, especially because by that point, I had unlocked some pretty, like, easy-to-do throw moves that dealt a lot of damage. So I was just kind of spamming those because I couldn't get through his guard. But yeah, I, I would I would recommend checking it out with the English patch. The English patch is very well done. Like, everything is translated. The menus, the cutscenes. The only thing I think aren't are some of the cabaret missions you can do. Um, but I've never done the cabaret missions in these games. So it's, it's no small loss. Uh, and I'm looking forward to playing the sequel, for which there is also an English translation. Um, what is the next game you're playing for Yakuza? It will be Black Panther 2. Uh, we're in Ooh. the age of the spinoffs now. Because after Ooh. Black Panther 2, I have Fist of the North Star Lost Paradise. Then, Wait, is that literally an anime Fist of the North Star thing with Yakuza? It's or straight what? up a Fist of the North Star game done by the Yakuza team oh in a God, Yakuza I kinda style. I kind of want to play that. I kind of want to play that. So, so ah. you, you know what? Here, I'll, I'll push you over the edge because there's a, there's a bartending minigame in that you can do where where you mix oh. drinks and Kenshiro uh, mixes a drink. If you do really well, he mixes a drink really fast and then slides <laughs> it down to the customer and he says, you are already drunk. Oh my God. <laughs> This is so good. All right, I've sold. It's done. I'm going to play that too. What, what system is it on? Uh, PlayStation exclusive. Can I, I mean, I have a PlayStation. Can I, is it like a PS4? Yeah. Ah, oh, dude, I'm so buying it. It's done. It's over. Okay. I'll, I'll join, I'll join Murph for that one. Okay, keep an eye out for that DD Cast episode down the line. It probably would make for a good DD Cast game. There you go. Um, but until then, are you ready for the Variety Minute? I am. This week's Variety Minute is Dream Remakes and Remasters. Now, Murph, uh... I didn't make a list for this. Although I will say there's a lot of like remakes and remasters. This has been like a year for it. Even mm -hmm. though we've called a lot of bangers, like there's a Super Mario RPG remake coming out. Yeah, there we had was a Final Fantasy remake about to happen. And there was the 8-bit remakes for Final Fantasy and then there was a fucking Resident Evil remake. Mhm. Mm yeah, it's um I think with the new hardware uh Devs are are rolling back to older like PS2 and even PS3 era titles, and being like, okay, we have like the money and the the audience is receptive to like a big glossy like remake. Um, in some cases, I wouldn't even call them remakes. Like the RE4 remake, I would call that a reimagining. You know. Sure. And that's kind of my list. Yeah. Is it's a lot of like reimaginings rather than put hd textures on it you know yeah yeah well i mean i guess that's the thing is is like i think ideally you would want to remake a game that does not stand the test of time mm -hmm. right that is that is the dream and for a lot of people ugly graphics do that but i can live with ugly graphics and i think just slightly up a texture 
is not gonna do it for me. You know what I mean? I am like, that's way not more about uh, gameplay quality of life with my yes, remakes and remasters 100%. than I am about it looking pretty. I- exactly, one billion percent, which helps a lot for emulation. But uh, what? Let's go through some of the list. So what I have just off the bat, a very simple one. I would like a a remake remaster of the Jack and Daxter trilogy. I would agree with that, especially since when we played that like PC port of Jack One, uh, that looked gorgeous. And just imagining what a PS Five version of that would look like, oh my god! Yeah, if they want it, like I would be totally fine with a from the ground up, like the Insane trilogy or something like that. Yeah. And and maybe if you want to like throw in some things to make the continuity between 1 and 2 a little clearer rather than having be just so jarring. Um I I think that yeah. would be a very easy win. And Ratchet and Clank got one. Like well that was based on the movie. Mm-hmm. Um I would not want a Jack and Dexter movie, but I mean, I think I think a Jack but, one is overdue. Same with Sly. I would I would love a Sly remake. Yeah. So I have um, I do have Sly on the list. It's a bit different. Um, I may get some pushback on this, but it's you know just just a thought experiment. I would like Sly one done remade in the style of the sequels. I'm gonna push back, but that's okay. I think what's really nice is is you're right, is there is a completely different direction. And, like, one is a little bit like a standard fucking Banjo-Kazooie platformer, almost. I would say more Crash Bandicoot. Or, yeah, I would say Crash Bandicoot as well, I guess. You're right. But either way, it's a very bog-standard formula. Whereas two and three would have this open world and interactive missions inside the worlds. Yeah, with, like, alternate playable characters and things. Yep. Like it fe- and so, in that way, I agree. Yeah, and the feeling of, like, pulling off, like, the heists, like, doing everything and set up for that, I would like to see, like, a reimagining of Sly 1's levels with that idea. Like, how do you how do you pull the big bust on Ms. Ruby and the Panda King and things like that? And seeing, and you could still incorporate some of those legacy missions, or not missions, those levels from 1 and turn them into missions as a tribute for the fans and being like, Oh, this is, this is the deadly pursuit level from uh, the Panda King area and stuff like that. But reduxing And, and I will say the, the latter half of Sly one could use a lot of retooling. Cause like once you get to like Ms. Ruby, um, there's a lot of random mini games to pad time. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. the, the clockwork levels are all gimmicks. I completely like forget about the mini games in Sly one every time I play it again. Yeah. Yeah. And that could, that could use some retooling for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. Um, here's the thing is like, I don't ever really think like, I think PS2 is the last era where I'm like, yeah, we could use some remakes here. We could use some remasters here. Once we hit PS3, I'm like, what 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 are we doing here? What's going mm-hmm. on? Sometimes when I was think when I was dwelling on this list, a a lot of it was based on nostalgia and games from my childhood. I would just like to see, you know, in a more pretty and accessible way, like like War of the Monsters, something like that. Sure. Um but sometimes I was holding myself up because I was like, well, do I want a remake or do I just want a sequel? You know, 
Like, yeah. I was looking at, like, War of the Monsters, but I was also thinking, like, strategy games I grew up with, like, Empire Earth and things like that. And I was like, do I want a remake of Empire Earth, or do I just want a new Empire Earth, you know? Um, yeah. I was also looking at, like, you know, sometimes a remake or remaster isn't about, ooh, let's make it pretty. It's like, let's fix the code. So I was thinking, like, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines and New Vegas. Oh, yeah, 100 I'm su- I'm surprised there has not been official re. I think New Vegas will happen. I do think a New Vegas remake will happen. I don't know what's. I mean, Ma- Vampire Masquerade Bloodlines is a mystery to me in terms of why they haven't revisited it, polished it up a little bit because of its legacy. I think you know? my gut is is that they want it to coincide with the release of the sequel, but the sequel has just been in development hell. Yeah. So they just don't know what to do with it. Yeah, I agree. I think I think those are really good examples, especially anything that like had rough launches or had a rough PC life. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with for sure, one hundred percent. Yeah, fucking it... that is the one thing I'll say about like Riven. I'll say it later, but the one thing that I would say Riven could use is like really good support. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, and, like, so, the, like, the Kingdom Hearts fan in me was, like, I would like Ugh. a a remake or just an accessible version of 358 over two days. Because that game's still stuck on the DS. And I was thinking, like, Kid Icarus Uprising, stuck on the 3DS. Yeah. There's And there's not anything that's, like, oh, this had to be played on the DS or the 3DS. Uh, Kid Icarus Uprising especially should not have been on the DS. Like, I'm still baffled that hasn't made the jump to Switch. And, I mean, the same thing, I mean, I feel that a lot with the Wii U titles. Mm. Like, I feel that with Star Fox, and I feel that with, like, Wind Waker HD or Twilight Princess HD, where I'm like, where are these? I would buy them day one. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like Mario 64 oh. DS is another one where I was like, put that put that on Switch. Like, you know, all these, this cool reimagining of Mario 64 is stuck on the DS where you have to play it with a D-pad. And I played it with a D-pad. I like it. Mario 64 DS just fine. But you could do like Mario 64 Switch where you incorporate ideas from the DS version and like add some new characters and stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, No, I agree with that. Um, Is there... Is there anything before PS2 that you were interested in? Uh, let's see here. A Dino Crisis we talked about way back oh, in yeah. the Dino Crisis episode. Like, doing that, but in the style of the RE2 remake, I think that would be done really well. Like, if you get the moody lighting and, like the di- and really tune the dinosaur AI. Yeah. That would be, that would yep, be a great no. horror experience. Um, I put down here... Seaman as a mobile app. Oh gosh, that would be good. I agree with that. <laughs> it it works, doesn't it? It's got a microphone. It it's got. <laughs> I see it. Yeah. Honestly, I'm surprised there aren't more virtual pet stuff on phones. There, that makes sense. there probably is, but it's all like microtransaction laden. I would not want a microtransaction that, that for AI girlfriends or something. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I see some people saying, like, I would love the God of War Ragnarok in 2018 team to do a remake of God of War 1. And I'm like, no, that's that's wrong. That's so wrong. Because the point is to juxtapose the crudeness 
and the PS2 yeah. aesthetic is part of that crudeness. Yeah, it's literally like if you took Mortal Kombat and be like, what if what if we gave up on all the goofy shit? Just all you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's a it's a level of storytelling that requires the goofiness from before. You don't you don't want a serious version of God of War one. Yeah, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. especially because at the time God of War one was billed as like this serious mature game, and it's like you know part of the meta narrative is that values and understanding of what a serious game can be have changed so dramatically. Yep. And that's for it's for that reason. I would never want like an eight an insane trilogy version of like Banjo Kazooie. Cause Banjo Banjo Kazooie is supposed to look like like a cartoon, you know? And I don't sure. think HD fur textures are very cartoony to me. I I agree with that. I think I think insane trilogies uh, art direction is lacking but i mean i would be interested in a banjo kazooie remaster or remake i think the nintendo 64 in general has some very interesting uh titles that you could port over um i i, it, I would love them at least here, here's 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 a, a good niche murph uh dream remake uh here heroes of might and magic 3 had a spin-off uh called Heroes Chronicles which was just like individually sold campaigns um yeah. and when i mean individual this had 12 chapters and they were all individually sold um oh i would say and you can buy them as a pack on GOG for like $10 i would say if they wa- like if i had a, like a genie with 12 wishes i would use one of them for like give me an abridged like singular narrative of Heroes Chronicles with like full HD cutscenes and things for that story. Yeah. Um Yeah, I agree. I also put down like reimagining P- Peter Jackson's King Kong as a survival simulator. <laughs> okay. All right, I see it. It would work. I do. I do think there's something funny about taking a movie license from 15 years ago because you're not promoting the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's good. Um. Okay. Here, you want to hear my like most blasphemous, acidic one on my list? Go ahead. And it's not. It's not because I want to see this in the world. More, I am surprised it has not been attempted in any way. What's that? Zork. With visuals. I believe. Yeah. 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 I'm surprised too. And I think it's because is Zork just one of those franchises that like was only of its time? You know? I yeah, I don't think it carries through. It doesn't I think it only exists as it was. But then I was remembering like uh like Roberta Williams has been working on that uh, game that's a reimagining of Colossal Cave. And that yeah. that wasn't a text adventure originally. And now she's re- like remade it with visuals and a point-and-click interface and things. And I was like, you know, you could do something like that with Zork. Like, take these text descriptions and really put an image to them. I, I think it could be done. Would I want it? Not really. I'm not that... In- I've only beaten the first Zork with a guide... Um, but I think it would be like an interesting thought experiment from a good enough developer. I think, I think the real issue is, is normal, you know, 
point-and-click adventure games are already on a back, like, on their back foot. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, they are already struggling to be made. So, I guess there is brand niche with Zork, but I I don't know. It would just have to be the right time. Lightning would have to strike. I mean, I would be interested, but I don't know. Yeah, and sometime, sometimes a remake is like that, where you're like, you know... I just I just want to see how they would do it. It's kind of like Resident Evil yeah. 4 remake, where I wasn't totally invested, like, oh my god, I can finally play Resident Evil 4 again, the most accessible game known to man. Um, yeah. But it was like, okay, how how are they going to do it? You know, how are they going to go about it? Uh, and that that's where it's uh, interesting to me. Would you, as a FromSoft fan ever want a complete like redux of dark souls one okay i was gonna bring it up and i was scared to the back of my mind was like brogan don't mention dark souls so i am glad you brought it up instead uh-huh. um first of all i would strongly want FromSoft to re-release and remaster their back catalog mm. kingsfield i would like to play a kingsfield that is not literally tied to 17 frames per second. Mm. And if you speed up the frames, the entire game speeds up. That sound, That's very unpleasant. So mm. I would love a re-exploration of that. Um, but then it goes into Dark Souls. And I am one of those people that did not hate the Demon Souls remake. I think it was fine. In fact probably preferable to demons did the did the original demon souls need to be remade no but demon souls blue point is really good i think it is at least Mm -hmm. so would i want to play a dark souls yes does it need to happen no but i think those are an example perhaps of the one argument against the question i brought up earlier which was why would you remake you know a 360 hd era game which is a lot of the games are fucking ugly that's just the reality is is they don't have a dedicated art design because a lot of them try to be more realistic or what have you so when you up res it it just doesn't pan out like the remasters look bad dark souls remastered looks bad yeah are you You one of those people because i remember when the dark souls uh remaster came out and people were like you know this it's a good game, but there are, like, like the back half isn't as good as it could be. And they're like, why didn't you, like, quote-unquote, fix Demon Ruins? I skipped Demon Ruins, so I don't know what that's about. But would is that something you would want? I mean, I think... Or would it just be too jarring the, for such a familiar game? Uh, well, I think a better example is... A spe- well, there's two ways to go about this. So... I would, I would want them to make the game look as appealing as possible. I think a lot of the problems people have with Dark Souls Remastered is a lot of the textures ended up looking worse after the fact. Mm. So, like, the Demon Ruins, like, lava stuff, it, it looks worse. There's no way around it. You can mod that stuff, um, but they did not fix things. In terms of game design, a lot of people wanted um, Bluepoint to fix, quote-unquote, of the dragon god in demon souls and they wanted to add an entirely new world they wanted to see the winter world of demons there's a broken arch stone there's a broken level you're not allowed to go into um they wanted to play that and i think either a as a fan you have to not be so 
if you're going to criticize them for one art design change, you can't also beg for them to change these things that you want because mm. you're not giving them a chance. Yeah. Um, I think, I think I, in an ideal world, they could do that and make their own standout game. Um, but most of the time they're just going to try to ride the line. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the thing. Like I see sometimes wanting a remake is just wanting a functional version of a game you've always wanted to play. Like, you know, Baldur's Gate 1 is a very, like, famous and respectable CRPG. I have bounced off it every time I have tried to play it because it's using the oldest version of Dungeons & Dragons rules. And I have to, like, reteach myself them on top of using an old CRPG UI and interface. And it's like, you know, there is the enhanced edition. It's not all that enhanced, in my opinion. And I'm not necessarily saying, like, do Baldur's Gate 1 in the style of Baldur's Gate 3, but, you know, maybe clean up the UI a bit and demystify some of the mechanics. And that's something I would say... Did you ever play... Go ahead. That's something I would say for a lot of, like, classic CRPGs I want to play, but I just bounce off them because they're so, like, mechanic-laden in a way I don't quite understand. Like I Did you play the Wasteland remake? Um, no, I have it, but I've been meaning to. I have that in Wasteland 3 on my back burner. I meant to play a lot of yeah, CRPGs I... this year instead of just played a lot of Street Fighter 6. <sighs> that is how it is. Year of the fighting game came quick, didn't it? Um, but no, I, I think those are a really good example. Especially since, again, a lot of them are held back by... The, you have to run DOSBox, or for Riven, you have to run ScumVM. Mm. And like, it's just like, what... Why can't we have a standardized sort of system here? And I don't know, man. I I agree with you, though. Yeah. And sometimes just wanting a remake is wanting that vindication. Like, last year... I think that's the Super Mario RPG thing. Oh, yeah. I, I think that's like, they just want it. They just want it. Yeah, and like last year, they announced an Age of Mythology remake. And I oh felt so happy, not because, like, Age Mythology's there. I can play it. I've played it a ton. It's not like I need an HD version of that, but it's the vindication of being like, oh my god, someone in power thought about me specifically, you know? That's so funny. And so- no, yeah, no, it, it's, it's a way for you to get back engaged. It gets people talking about the game, so that way you can be like, oh, I've played this game. Yes. I love this game. Let me, let me explain to you, the new person now interested, why I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's something I saw with, like when the, uh, the Ghost Trick remaster was announced. Yep. Like, all the Ghost Trick fans came out of the woodwork and were like, oh my god, yes, more people can play this game that was locked away on the DS and inaccessible yeah. for a lot of people. Um, and I see that with uh, like other, like the, the Front Mission remake that's coming out uh, shortly. Or I think Front Mission 2 is coming out. Yeah, Front Mission 1 already came out. Yeah, or Live Alive. Like these... L- yeah, yeah. These games that like, you've heard about them because they're very famous and influential, but they've just been region exclusive or locked to an old system or just like buried in esoteric mechanics that they're just like inaccessible and you as the fan want more people to experience what you experienced playing it originally. Yeah. Um, I will say a couple, a couple of wishes for remakes for me. Mm -hmm. I would love, 
I would want a remake of the original Metal Gear and Metal Gear 2 games. Okay. Not solid. I mean, like, the MSX Oh, okay. Done in the style of, or... Yes, done in the style of modern. I think that is, like, very clearly... And I'm surprised they haven't done it. Mm. I think... I think they tiptoed... It's so weird, because it's like, they keep them in, so that way you could play them theoretically, and they are good games on their own. Um, but I think a lot of people jump off and aren't interested and they are integral parts of the Metal Gear Solid story. And I would also say literally on the Metal N- Gear Solid five is a setup for the NES game. Yes. 100%. It is literally a setup for, for Metal Gear one. Yes. And, um, and like who the fuck's played that? Like people haven't played that. You know what I mean? It's mm. just, um, otherwise Wario land one, I think a lot of Game Boy games, like black and white Game Boy games, could really use a remake. And uh, like Samus Returns, like Samus Returns is a really good example of what I think mm-hmm. helps it. I, I um, had I had Metroid 1 down on my like list of like, what if reimaginings. And it was like, Metroid 1 done in mission. the style of Prime. Why not? Oh, yeah. Like Prime. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, that's... Zero that's, Mission's good, though. That's where I'm more interested in a remake because you know there is the you part want the of the reinvention the reinvention because there's there is gonna, always going to be the part of like by making the game hd you've ruined the art direction of the older hardware um yeah. and it's like okay so let's let's completely ground up do something like different let's reimagine the story let's like recontextualize it that's every Star Fox sequel since assault but you know yeah, and uh, I, the the other two Nintendo games. Ooh, fuck! I would want to start. Okay, all right. Three Nintendo games. I would want remade, re- remastered, and they're in that zone because the Switch is about to die for a Switch two. Mm-hmm. Um, I would want a Star Fox two remake. Um, it you would, a Star Fox fan would be like, what about Star Fox uh, Assault? And I would concede that, but I don't want to play. What about the Star DS. Fox Adventures? I, I don't want. <laughs> Okay, your silence was deafening. If we did a daydream cast, we would do Dinosaur Planet. Let's just put it like that. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, I would want Mother One. Mother One especially. Yeah. Mother One is like, it. that oof, is brutal. Um, and then probably just because of my nostalgia, the original Legend of Zelda. in Like Zelda 1 and then, but I think like a lot of like the goofy things they experiment with, like the Zel- like they remember in Link's Awakening uh, Switch that they started trying to make a make your own dungeon. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that could be especially powerful in a Zelda one. And if they do like a Zelda maker, like they did a Mario maker, they would probably do like a Zelda one slash Link to the Past sprite style for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I did see someone pitching uh. A while, years ago, there was, like, this this guy who kept, quote-unquote, leaking Nintendo Directs. And every time he, he had this pitch for an Earthbound remake done in the, the style of the Link's Awakening remake. Like, like this sort of glossy, toy-like models for everything. You can see people do renders, I think... I think people will jump to Earthbound. The answer's Mother 1. Man, I'm, I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. Like, any... And, and like you see it in the fan stuff is like they're remaking mother one by the fans. Yeah. Um, the problem with mother one is literally all tech. 
yeah. the story and what's going on and the art design are all very interesting and intriguing for their time. But then you play it and it's like a late 80s RPG that's like a Dragon Quest and it's like insane uh, rates of like enemy encounters and shit. And it's just unpleasant, you know? Yeah, so. there are there are definitely some RPGs or more like story laden NES games and the like that would benefit from a more modern uh, sort of production value to them. Because it's just like, the hardware limitations are so apparent. I have a question for you. I have one more and then we can end it here. I, and this is, this this came up because you were like, what if I just wanted another one of the thing? Mm -hmm. So my, one of my dream remakes would have been, uh, Sid Meier's Alpha Centauri, um, the civilization game. It's a civilization game that takes place on an alien planet. But then they came out with civilization after Earth. Beyond Earth. Or beyond, whatever. It's not a You're thinking of the Will Smith movie. (laughs) Either way, either way, Murph. What I'm trying to say is... Do you feel like a game like Civilization could use a remake? Like, which which Civilization would you want remade? It's... I think that is a circumstance where I would just want, like, a new one incorporating ideas in from one of those legacy games. Um, but Beyond Earth was bad. I'm sorry, continue. I mean, yeah, Beyond Earth was bad. Um, but I think it's never so bad that they couldn't try again. Yeah. You know? Um, cause then you get into something of like, if they release an Alpha Centauri remake, would you want them to do like expansion packs for that? I mean, I wouldn't care. I mean, it could be a different take on it, but I mean, I guess the thing is, is, is like when you do something different, the real issue with Beyond Earth for me isn't even like on a technical level. It's, it's a, it's a fine enough game, but it doesn't carry in any spirit. Yeah. I guess that's the thing about a remaster or a remake is it's sort of obligated to maintain some level of spirit. Um, that may not be required when you're doing something completely separated. Um, a standard mainline civilization that I, the one I connected with the most was Civ Four, um, and they abandoned a lot of design principles um since then like five and six are completely different in some ways yeah i just don't think anymore i just don't think for something that's so what what's the word here not necessarily like live service but something that's meant to be like supported for years that sort of because of the mods and stuff Yeah, yeah it doesn't it doesn't behoove uh the company to put out a remake while also i don't know like it doesn't make sense if they were like to say we're releasing a Civ Four remake and Civ Seven. That would just be like weird, right? Possibly, yeah. Maybe. Um, now I say that, but also like Forgotten <laughs> Empires has three different remakes of Age of Empires games going simultaneously right now that they're all supporting. Um, so. Who's to so, say? So who knows? Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Uh, are you ready to actually talk about the game of the week? Yes. Yeah, so let's let's talk about about the sequel to Mist.
disclaimer um this is brogan from the future i just figured that it would be important to mention to everyone that there will be spoilers in this uh podcast i guess i guess i wasn't worried about it during recording but i realized during this it's like maybe i should warn people if you're at all interested in playing this game it is probably best to wait or if you if you don't mind the things it's not like we go super in depth on the puzzles but there are not a lot of puzzles so the fact that we talk about solving them at all may lead to some you know things so if you're interested in riven we would recommend playing it yourself otherwise if you're just like i just want to hear about it i don't care about spoilers let's just fucking go uh it's still a really good discussion so Sit back and enjoy. This week's game of the week is Riven, the sequel to Mist. It was a game made in 1997 and is developed by Cyan Worlds, originally distributed on five discs. Directly after the events of the first Mist, and be sure to check out episode 39 of the Daydreamcast, dear listener, Excelsior. Uh, Atris is in trouble. The Age of Riven is falling apart, literally separating at the seams. Atris has to keep writing, but he asks you, the player, to go into Riven. You've got to stop Atris's father, Gen, who is this despot who has gone mad in the land of Riven, and you have to save Atris's wife, Catherine. This is a tall order, but can be done through thorough exploration and unique puzzle-solving design that differs from the original Mist. Murph, what did you think of this game? Man, I really liked Mist. I really, really liked Mist, and I just don't have the same passion for Riven. Which disappoints me, because I always heard that Riven was like one of those like, quote-unquote, secretly better than the original sequels. Pavlos thinks that. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's respectable in the sense that Science Studios wanted to do something that is completely different from Myst, you know? Yeah. And, And it is. It is a different vibe. It's a different way of doing the puzzles. Like, it's not just, like, Myst 1.5. It feels different. But the way that it is different is a way that I just kind of bounce off of. I I think it's common. I think people bounce off this common. You know, the first the first th- you know, my first thought about this game was mm-hmm. was re- rewind back to the missed conversation, and I said that most many people got stuck on the missed island. Mm-hmm. I think. Part of the reason for the puzzle design, which we will talk about, is an effort for people to have access to content and feel like they're not missing out. You could see, I would say, 95% of the game not doing the puzzles. Yes, and that is the core difference. Whereas Myst, you had sort of the hub level... And then you would unlock the different ages. And those would all be self-contained. Their puzzles would be in of themselves. They would be very small. Here with Riven, you have... I mean, you have, you go to two other ages, but they're really just sort of there for cutscenes. 
Um, so you're just—it's basically an entire world. Yes, you know it's what I an mean? archipelago of five islands, and they're all connected, and they all have puzzles that are spread across them. And that—that that is the core thing. So the main issue I have with Riven is backtracking. Oh yeah. Oh, exploration's brutal. Okay, you skipped, right? I'm assuming you skipped cutscenes. I did once I realized the button that skipped them. I was I was mashing like space bar and right click until I found escape and I was like, oh my god. Now Thank it's... God for escape. And early on, like okay. So so starting with like the praise right off the bat, this game looks incredible. Yeah. This game looks yep. so good, and that's because all the all the textures are like genuinely like either photo real textures on a 3D model or it's a physical model that they built and animated. Like when you see a door open, that's a physical door that they like filmed it, and green screened in. It looks it holds up so well. And it's shocking because the resolution in this game is not good. No. But it looks good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's not just, like, looks good for the time. It looks good now. It look, yeah. It really reminds me of, like, old uh, ILM effects, like, old Star Wars effects, where it's, like, you can, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's the benefit of, like, practical effects versus CGI. The fact it's a physical model. It has texture. It has weight. It has feel. And they're much better at incorporating the, the FMV cutscenes, like, at the yeah. very start, when you're in that cage, and that guard comes up and, like, talks to you in Riven S and steals your book. That looks seamless. Yeah, that's seamless. And it's like, that dude is there. That dude is physically there. Whereas in Mist, all the islands sort of have this dreamlike quality to them. Like, they were sort of, like, sort of fairy tale locations. Like, oh, this rock with a ship that's anchored to it that's, like, caught in an endless storm. Like, this isn't... I- this isn't a real place people live. You're not walking around Mist I, Island being like, where does Atris go to the bathroom? I, you know, that's the thing. When I was playing this game, the thing in the back of my mind that made me realize you weren't going to like this game was back in the Mist episode, you really liked that balance of artificiality with the worlds because the worlds are in books and you write books. Yes. So there is a fakeness to it. And you're going in after the fact and the worlds feel empty and all this stuff. Riven's goal is to make the world feel alive mm-hmm. and have a detailed realness to it. Yes. And it's it's about inhabiting it in some ways. And in that sense, I was like, oh, it's kind of, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think it's respectable. And in my head, I was kind of like, there's a curiosity when you were playing Mist of like, what does an age look like before this yeah and riven you're seeing what an age looks like before everything's dead yes and that there is this constant feeling because you're going into this world that is controlled by atris's father again and he has like subdued the populace they either like are enslaved by him or just like are on his payroll and there's, like, a resistance, but they're hiding out. They're hidden away in, like, a separate age. And there is this feeling as you're, like, exploring around that you are being watched, like, constantly. Like, there's yep. the little cutscene that plays when, you in, when you're getting near the village where you can see, like, someone in a, like, a watchtower, like, raising an alarm. Yep. 
And then, like, you'll sometimes enter a path, and there's some, like, like little children that have been following you, and they run off. Yeah, they're all in hiding. They're basically hiding because you're an intruder. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that feels so cool. Um, I, I feel like... I don't know what way, what structure to do this. Um, so... I think... Go ahead. I'm trying to think of what... So, a lot okay, of the... Here, let me... Let me say my problem. Sure. Like, here's a problem. Okay. So navigation. Again, you can access most things. I think what they were trying to go for was a lot of um, mechanical stuff, which you did a lot in Mist. In Mist, there was a lot of figuring out how a machine works. It was tactile. In a world. It was tactile. But this game drops a lot of the tactile just for levers and just for like wheels to do and it makes you feel like you're doing something mid game but what it ends up doing is is it forces you to do something right you know 20 minutes or you know 10 screens before you have to do something yeah and it requires you clicking everywhere and it requires it's it's a little bit more thoughtless and it feels less natural and I don't feel like that's intentional. I feel like you could have dropped, I don't know how many, but you could have dropped a lot of the switches in this game. There is, like you you messaged me beforehand, we're going to have a conversation about what constitutes a puzzle. Yeah. I was stuck at three different spots in this game um, uh- where I had to look up what I, what I had to do in every... Barring one, there were four spots. Barring one, there was everything was like there was a button I missed. There was a lever I didn't see. There was you have to close these doors to reveal the hallway they're blocking. <laughs> Dude, that one's wild. What what bothers me? Okay, um, we're gonna I'm gonna praise this game because I like this game more than you. Yes, but my least favorite moment in the entire fucking game was um i don't know how to describe it you know the bridge that goes back to the globe the yellow yes main, yes the raising the bridge globe? or lowering it or raising the bridge or like lowering the bridge it's a shortcut because you're back on one of the islands it's like the island with the ra- rising water uh, yeah, you know what i'm talking yeah. about mm-hmm. yes with the door the door that you have to close to go through that that shortcut so Basically, if you don't turn a valve, that shortcut doesn't exist. Yes. Yes, because you need what to power the fuck? it. And the what is what? And it's like, oh, you didn't turn on that valve fifty screens ago? This machine doesn't work. And it's like And it's not productive, it's just a shortcut. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of like So I guess I guess if we want to tease uh you know you, you, how because this is getting a remake. They have confirmed the team that made the the Miss Twenty Twenty One remake is making a Riven remake along with a team that was doing a fan remake of Riven, which is cool. Um, there's a lot of bits in this game where you are following pipes or wires or pathways and trying yep. to figure out the physical space, but because it's still the static screens, you're at you're at the mercy of the the framing, so. I, th- I think that's the problem with a this is what I was going to say was is it's not that I don't think this game could be better. I think if it if it is being remade, it still needs to be point and click. Yes. 
but I think the ability just to just to pan the camera a little and be like, oh, that's where that pipe continues. Oh, that's where that yeah. spot is, you know, yeah. rather than having to yeah, uh, find the screen where you can properly see that stuff. A good example of the problem of spacing, I found this out, is, is one of the biggest problems to making a 3D space for this game is, is that specific shortcut um, I was talking about just now is a very, very long bridge. And that bridge is like three clicks. But if you made that a real physical space, it would take minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and like there, because all the islands are connected and all the puzzles are connected, and like we said, there's a lot of backtracking. There were a lot of circumstances where I forgot like the path I needed to take to get to the specific room yep. I needed to find the, the, um, yep. the overlook Island where you get the solution to the marble puzzle. I kept yep. forgetting how to get back there. I couldn't figure out how to open the Tiki head um, because yep. it was a hidden button. And when I got there, I couldn't figure out how to get up the elevator because the buttons all the way at the bottom left corner. And I was just standing there like, Oh, I guess the elevator needs power. Rather than being like, oh, I hit the button, <laughs> you know? Um, and so, and because of that, I think for, like, all the real puzzles in this game, the solutions aren't actually that hard. It's just the execution no. is difficult. Because you need to remember the pathways, you need to remember combinations, you need to remember how to interpret those combinations, because it's a lot notebook of notebook like, is notebook is a must in this game. You have to have a notebook. Yes, yes, exactly. You have to be drawing maps. You have to be writing down things like the revelation that all those like interstitial scenes of animals doing stuff when you enter some screen is important. That's important. <laughs> oh my god. That's important, and it's like tied to a puzzle that's like three different disparate things that you weren't thinking to keep track of as a unit. Oh my gosh. Um, um, okay, I like that. I will defend the puzzles. We're not going to get to that just yet because I will defend that. Stuff. Okay. I think the puzzles in this game are good. At least those puzzles. Yes. Um, and I like the marbles. Here's the thing. I think the game is very good about getting you to engage with the world on that level. My favorite thing in the game, period, is, and I told you this in private chat, was... There is a room in one of the islands that is a school hut. It's mm -hmm. a school hut that teaches children. This was cool. And this is so cool. And you can learn a lot just generally looking around the room. If you are an alien from Mars or something and you came down to Earth, one of the best places you could look at is in a school room to learn about a culture and learn about how people think. And in the room, there is a children's toy. And the children's toy is like a game. It'd be like fucking Don't Break the Ice or a million other kids' games for us. Mm -hmm. But what it is is it goes back and forth with a giant fish sacrifice. And it speaks a lot to the culture of Gen killing and sacrificing the native population. But also, the game is literally counting the little notches before the little guy on each side dies. So... You learn how numbers work, or at the very least, how specific numbers correspond to those symbols, which after a few of them, 
um, and some other information allows you to solve how numbers work. Yes. The revelation is that the number system is base 25. Um, yes. And that's how, and that's how you break. So you, this is part of a longer string of puzzles where you have to like punch in a code to get to where Gin is at and you get the combination from Gin's journal, but it's written in the Riven number system. So you don't know how the numbers work. So you have to stumble upon the school sis the school hut because i don't think the game really like directs you there in any way like oh go to the school hut which you know is nice but again it's like you know what if you had come across the school hut first and you didn't really pay much mind to the toy you know because mist had a lot of things that were just like interactable for the sake of being interactable like the like the little yeah. slider that changes from a rose to a skull that's not a puzzle. That's just a cool effect they figured out. And unfortunately, Riven still has those kind of like little asides that are like, well, is this relevant or not? Because uh, the, the, one of the things I was stuck on before I figured out closing the doors to see the hallway was the thing with the frog trap. And it's it's in this like little dome where there's this there's device that you can place a pellet of food on. And if the dome is powered, you can lower it into this black void. Um, and then you have to leave that dome and go outside and climb down the cliff face because we're doing everything in a physical space and it all has to make like logical sense. You have to go outside to the center of the lake to turn off the power there because if the power's on, the sound of the machines will scare the frog. And then you turn it back on and come back into the dome and raise the little trap, and if you open it, you'll get a 10-second cutscene of a CG frog croaking at you. And I thought, oh, I gotta grab the frog, or something to that effect. Because if you do it a second or third time, you get a different animation. And I was so hung up. It's weird that there's an it's weird that there's an inventory system that you don't really need. Yes. Continue. It was just like I was so hung up being like, I gotta do something with this frog. This is like too laborious a process to get this frog to appear, you know, for it not to be what I have to do at this current moment. But in actual... And then the solution has nothing to do with getting the frog. Yeah. The solution is, is the frogs are important and make that specific sound so you could correspond to another puzzle. Yes. But, and, in the, and even then at the time, the solution I was actually looking for to make forward progress is go back to the entrance of the dome and close the door... Because the door is blocking the hallway out. Yeah. Um, oh my yeah. gosh. So, it, it's just, you know, the openness is cool, but... Uh, I don't know, it's just like, there's a lot of wandering around trying desperately to figure out what it is that you're supposed to be doing to make forward progress because the fact it's also open like you can explore like you said you can explore every island and not do any of the puzzles really yeah but i'm gonna let me do all right it's time for the defense okay here all right i think number one this game was not built for speed running mm -hmm. well i guess you know what i mean like it's not built for you to just crush it in nine hours yeah that is Right. And like when you say, oh, you know, people aren't like when you say these small little things didn't matter before they 
it's not necessarily a knock against the game that they now take these little moments seriously or that they have goofy moments alongside them. But it's also just like, what I like is, is the long-term payoff mm-hmm. to these puzzles. Yeah. So the marble puzzle, the marble puzzle is really good because it, it, it is a payoff to you realizing the geography of the land. You go, you get up to a thing, and basically you look at a topographical survey, and you're like, "Wait one second, this matches um, the thing in the golden dome with the marbles." And then you wait one second, and once it clicks, oh, wait one second, this matches the islands themselves. And then you're matching where the gold domes are to the colors. To me, that was so awesome. I think that is a good puzzle and it is a long-term payoff puzzle. The it, it is a realization that can only exist because you've spent so long wandering for no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I think where, where the game fails is the little bits of frustration. They should, they should streamline the frustration. They should make it easy to access things and you shouldn't be punished for missing a small detail. There's like a good moment of needing detail, which is, as I said this also before, is the light cavern with that door. Mm-hmm. I think that is a good one. Yeah. Because, because it just requires a slight difference in perspective. And you're like, oh, this door goes another way. That works. That's completely different to you not realizing that door, like the, the frog cage door. You know what I mean? Like that's, that one's bad. Yeah, I think, so I think the, if I was to say like the, the, how, how do I want to phrase this? In Mist, the puzzles were figuring out mechanical items. Like it was, it was, this button has this cause and effect. For Riven, the difference is, is that you are figuring out the culture. Yes. And that. And that's a very different and much more open-ended thing. So you really have to invest in the world around you and the the iconography and everything. And you have to do a lot of... You have to actually, like, read through the journals very intently. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm going to play... I'm going to play this card. Boy, I cannot read cursive like I used to. <laughs> It doesn't help that the resolution it's in. I think also I think I think there's when you at when when the question came up of what is a puzzle, there aren't that many puzzles in this game. No. Um I think though that there are a lot of moments in this game where I would go, This isn't a fucking puzzle. Would I would have considered a puzzle in an in mist? Mm. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I can see that. Cause and because here that that tactile figuring out machinery stuff is to unlock shortcuts or just like a path yes. forward. Where whereas like the the aha solution now I can move on with the story is tied up in these much grander, uh, larger-scale puzzles. Yeah. And I, I, for one, I don't know how you felt. 
I was more engrossed in this story. When when we talked about Mist last time, we were, I don't know if we're opposites, but I was less engaged in the story. I just thought it was like a weird sibling rivalry. They're both shitheads. I don't care. Mm-hmm. But I liked the world. I just liked walking around. And that was fun. Here, it's kind of the opposite. Whereas I'm learning things about the drama between the family and then learning the culture is more interesting than than me, you and I, me, uh, walking around for no reason. Yeah. I could be lost in Mist for an eternity. I I would not want to be lost in Riven I think it's, very long. I think it's the difference of sort of soft fantasy versus hard fantasy, or however you want to phrase that. It's like the difference between The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, where yes. as Mist is working on this much more like fairy tale, dreamlike logic, this artificiality to this world, this sort of mystery about these these this very small family drama. Um, this is like no, here's a world, here's a history, here's like yeah. this has been going on. Yeah, and it, I think that stuff's well executed. And I will say, I think Gen is a good actor. For the scenes he's in and the dialogue he has, I I was impressed. Genuinely, actually. when you get to Gen and he's actually like on screen and he's like giving you like the I've changed my ways. I just want to apologize to my son. I like believed him for a hot minute. Yeah. I was like, oh my, wait, hold on. Is this supposed to be like I got to figure out if Catherine's really the shithead? It, um, and th- but and then, that's like the only time that ever happens. But then like the only time in the game where it's like, get maybe, you know. Yeah, but then I remember I read his diary where he's like, I tortured five natives today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I, everything is awful except that one moment where he's acting and you're like, whoa, mm-hmm. this guy's great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I do like that there are the the very different endings um depending on what you choose to do where you know you can you can get killed in the age of rebellion um you can just be an idiot and open the the trap book and get trapped <laughs> you know uh whether or you, not you can summon atris without trapping gen which is a fuck up as well yeah or you choose to capture gen but not free catherine and things yeah. like that um, and, you know, it really does feel like a genuine, like, sequel to Mist um, in terms of the through line. Because, like, the opening narration of Mist is written in Atris's journal. And you get that journal and you can see, like, his thoughts on the events of Mist and stuff like that. And there are, yeah. like, little clues about Riven all across the original Mist, particularly real Mist, which added in some stuff mm-hmm. with, uh, with the Age of Rhyme. Um, mm-hmm. and it's nifty. How did you feel about the ending? <laughs> Are you talking about specifically where you go into the fissure? Yes, or what? where Atris where leaves you to die. <laughs> I think it's it's so weird because it's meant to be a callback to Mist's opening. Mm-hmm. It does the voiceover, and it sort of gives you the vibe of... It, it doesn't give you the vibe because it's the Riven book that drops, or it's the, it's the Dunny book that drops, sorry. Yeah. You're, but but it's but it feels recursive. It feels like a loop almost, mm-hmm. and it feels so bizarre. 
And it's like, why did Atris trust that I would fall into nothingness? And I think the only way this makes sense is in a way he knows you're the player and you're just playing a game or something. It was, you know what I mean? That's the only way it makes sense. Yeah, it was jarring to me because I got to the ending. I got the good ending. And Atris yeah. is like, now I, I promised I would help you find your way home. Farewell, my friend. And he just leaves. And you're like, the, the, the Riven is collapsing. <laughs> the world is dying. What? And you fall into a fissure. And Atris is like, I hope by falling into that fissure, my friend found his way home. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I think I found out I found out through deep lore later is that um, he I think he knows the fissures lead to other places. So, yes, that is straight up. There was a a missed prequel book that was released. It's hard to find. I've been trying to find a listing somewhere. Um, I would read the book. I would. It's literally it's it's literally the setup for. Riven. It's how Atris and Catherine met, how they trapped Gin, and how uh, Atris wound up falling into the Starfisher. Damn. Um, I thought it was a fine enough ending, and this is technically to Cyan and to the original designers. This is the final game. This mm-hmm. is like the the later games are extra because a company wanted to make them. You know what I they mean? were made because Ubisoft bought the license, which we talked about yes. in the previous episode on Dark Messiah. Um, yeah. You know, and I know that Rand Miller came back to play Atris in those sequels. Um, I don't think Robin Miller came back in any capacity, even though I believe the fourth one involves the two brothers, Sirius and Akinar. Huh. Um, but they're played by different Would actors. You- now that you've played Riven and you've, are you sour on it? First off, no, because it's one of those like I have that spectrum of like liking a game and respecting a game. Yeah, I respect this game. It, yeah, I get you. Yeah. I respect this game. I don't necessarily like it. If I were doing a playthrough of all the missed games, I would give it like a good. I think B tier. I would agree. I would agree. I think Mist is, and I think in terms of design, Mist is literally execution-wise better. But I think there's some some juice here. There's I think, some extra thing to Riven that I'm like, I kind of like this. And maybe it's the long-term puzzle. Maybe it's the culture thing. You like delving into lore. It's not just the lore, though. It's... It's the fact, and you said this in the chat, is is the puzzles are nested into each other. That's the other problem of counting the puzzles in this game. Mm-hmm. Is is that if you've solved something, you haven't really solved it because it is just another component to a thing that you're building towards. You know what I mean? There's a larger thing that's just a brick of it and you're compiling it all together for a final thing so like there are only basically two puzzles with three maybe three puzzles but Mm -hmm. like you know there's a bunch of small ones along the way that add up yes it does it does remind me of like old pc games or like dungeon crawlers or the like where you would eventually get to some sort of puzzle where it's like did you pay attention to the lore? 
It's like, to pass through this door, you must answer who was the first god of death or something like that. <laughs> and it's like, you know, if you hadn't been paying attention, you're not going to know that. Or maybe it came with the uh, the 30-page instruction booklet that you had. Like, yeah. there was a puzzle like that in King's Quest VI, if you remember, with answering yep. the, the cliffs of knowledge. You had to, like, learn yep. about the world lore and things like that. But that was copy protection. But, I mean, I think here, I, I don't know, it feels organic enough to me, number one. But number two, I think it's just the direction. I just respect its direction because, mm-hmm. again, it it's meant to feel different. And I think it's allowed to, it, it allows the world to breathe. Mm. And as long as you give, the more, I, the more I think back on it, the more I like it. When I played it and I beat it, I was like, man, I don't know. But now that I'm like sitting back on it, I'm respecting the puzzles more. I'm respecting the the choices more. You know what I mean? Now that I'm not navigating and fucking up, clicking on a random pipe, it's kind of good in my memory. Yeah, it's it's so hard to because I beat this like much earlier than you did uh, because this episode yeah. had to be put off for a bit. Um, it's just like looking back after a month. If you if I booted up Riven right now, I think I would be just it, like only slightly less lost than I was the first time I played it. Like I just don't remember the layout of things because I feel like I just came across the room I needed to by happenstance. And maybe that's on me for not taking notes or making maps or things like that. Um like like, like I said, it like we've been saying, it's meant to be antithetical to mist it's meant to zig every way that mist zagged and in that sense from a from an artistic perspective that's respectable that is so respectable that they wanted to do something new and different rather than than just falling back on their on their success um but but it's not for me yeah i get it i get it no um i don't know man Fast forward to maybe when we do the recap of the year or something, I will have a final thought of whether or not, like, for instance, I made a backlog of the games I've played this year, and this was near the bottom right after I played it. Mm -hmm. I think I'm bumping it up to the middle now. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Feels good. Okay, so you want want the the deep Murph lore? Let's do it. Uh, So, so this is just something I stumbled across, but... But Gen's actor, who's a classically trained dude, he hasn't been in a lot. His name's John Keston. Um, he's actually more known for doing, like, opera scholarship and, like, marathons for the elderly and things. Did you know that there's an Easter egg opera? Yes. In this? There's a lot of sings, Easter eggs. There, have you seen the Christmas yeah. lights Easter egg? I haven't. Yeah. Um, that sounds good. But anyway, so he was born in the UK, and then he immigrated to the U.S. in 1995, where he moved to Sun River, Oregon. Now, that's, in that time period, that's where my grandparents lived. And I have vague memories, maybe I gaslit myself, but I do have vague memories of being in their house as a toddler and their randomly British neighbor coming in to say hello. So, wow. I, I just may have met again in real life <laughs> how does that make you feel i don't know i i guess i'd have to add it to my list of of celebrities i've met does that make riven better or worse for you 
it gives it that extra special uh, connection. That's good. I like it. I seriously do like it. And I like his backstory, mm-hmm. too. Even though, yeah, he, even though he's a psycho. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, no, the story stuff is good. It's just yeah. a different story from this. <laughs> oh, and I also, I will complain about the fucking, okay, I will complain about one more thing. And Let then we're done. We can wrap up after this. So the, the animal noises, you complained about the frog. I'm not going to complain about the frog. Anytime there's a, like a live animal, I was like, okay, that makes sense. What doesn't make sense is the land shapes. Mm, yeah. Did you, did you, yeah. Sometimes you can correspond them by sound. So I don't know if you corresponded by sound with the shapes, but like, dude, there's like some rock formations and other formations that are meant to resemble uh, the silhouettes for the animal puzzle. And it's like, oh my God. So, the fuck? so the animal puzzle was the n- one non button or lever related solution that I had to look up. Um, mainly because I got to that room and I was like, oh my, I need some sort of combination again. And I was just having like the trauma of the marble puzzle and the, uh, the number puzzle. Um, and so I, I, that was the first puzzle I saw. Yeah. And so I looked it up. Uh, like, I, I looked up how to do it, not necessarily the solution. And I was like, you got this is supposed to resemble a fish? It does not look very fish-like, my friend, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, no, it, oh, that makes no sense. Oh, and I, and I will also say, I don't think that one is, but I'm pretty sure the numbers themselves are randomly generated. They are. So, if, if you were doing a guide, I didn't do a guide, but if you were, um, you would have to figure out the logic i kind of respect that Mm -hmm. where it's like you have to figure out the logic of the world that has to be explained to you no matter what yeah the only thing that's set in stone is the marble solution and even then if you just do the marble solution that doesn't really get you anything you have to do that in conjunction with other things Mm -hmm. um oh oh you know what i'll say this is an actual thing um i think you will agree with me for a remake uh the the spinning dome thing where you have to stop oh it frame perfect, but there's a no, weird three frame delay. Oh yeah. That's if, okay. I tried to match it perfectly. That's dumb. Just mash it. Yeah. If you mash it, it's good. In fact, I thought, I don't know how you did it. Otherwise, how did you do the one that's like sunken a bit and off level? I literally like timed it. <laughs> I like, what the fuck? Because it turns, no, you're meant to match. It turns yellow on the frame you're supposed to do it. It turns yellow. The point of the yellow is to write it down for the symbol. No, um, no, that's the frame. It and that's the frame you're supposed to do it to get it to stop too. I I know you're right. You can mash it. Yeah, is what I'm saying. I didn't try mashing it. So so, so like that one that's off level and you can't see it. I didn't bother. Um, and I would, and I just guessed that symbol later, and yeah. I will say also the one weird thing about these puzzles, in terms of cryptography and all of that, is is they like to do that thing where like they don't give you all information, even though they've given you ev- like you know what I mean. They give you everything but like one thing. Yeah, it's like ah ha ha mm-hmm. ah. Like there's there's one dome that's not there, and you have to like kind of guess it. Yeah, it's kind of fun. It's. Yeah, I mean, we're just... It, I'm sorry. No, it's just we, like, you know, it has three grand puzzles, and in a way, they kind of all feel like the same puzzle. Yeah, I mean, it's just payoff for what you've been doing. Yeah. And I guess that's the thing, is is like, 
if you haven't been engaging with it or if you've been engaging with it in the same way as Mist, then you probably will bounce off. And I think a lot of people did bounce off. And I didn't even go away with it liking it. I don't know, man. I think we're going in circles. Yeah. As you would in Riven, oh, the actual island. We tied it all together. We're back, baby. <laughs> we're back. <laughs> Pulled it off. Uh, Murph, let's do plugs. Yeah, I'm, uh, I've got my other podcast. This podcast is a bad idea. Um, I'm editing the next episode right now, so hopefully it's out soon. It is on the Rocket Jump YouTube series Video Game High School. And then we're also going to be looking at doing a follow-up to it because October is our anniversary month, uh, one-year anniversary. We're going to be looking to do a follow-up to our very first episode um, on Creepypasta and try to get that out by Halloween. Bro, you're cheating on me with other podcasts. Where have you been? What? Huh? You did some guest spots. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be uh, featured by the time this airs. Oh. I believe it will be a later thing, but it is. We then proceeded to like bicker, banter. Um, so I am coming in with the edit to tell you that it is the fun and games podcast, specifically the side quests in which guests um, of Matt Storm and Jeff Moonen's uh, podcast uh, guests come in and talk about their favorite games, which I will be talking about Cave Story. Um, a game I love very much. Right, all right. Well, we're back and better than ever. No more delays whatsoever. Brogan, what are what are we coming back with next time? It's it's October. It's Halloween month, and I am now declaring it. There is an annual Castlevania game, and so we will be doing Castlevania Rondo of Blood in honor of Castlevania Nocturne, which I have already seen and will discuss in that episode. Um, and we will have a guest, Lucas White, and it'll be super exciting. And we'll pray for you, Richter Belmont. Okay. All right. <laughs> Work on it until next time. Okay. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Was that...